man, that is Lord Thee I Love with All My Heart, and it is the hymn we're going to be taking a look at on this Rumination Thursday, uh, Tuesday, March the 3rd in the year of our Lord 2020, and we have with us, I don't make mistakes very often, we have with us Wes Reimnitz. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Mark Smith. Okay, Sam. <laughs> Ooh. Hey, hey, you're... You're getting almost as bad as uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden. Yeah. You, you know, he slipped up and uh, uh, he called Chris Wallace Chuck, and uh, he got confused with... Um, Who's Joe Biden? Joe Biden. You don't know who Joe Biden is? No, this is a religious program. <laughs> We're not talking about politics. <laughs> uh, how you doing on this beautiful spring-like day? Boy, We're doing you. real well. Spring and every is just around the corner. Every time we look at a hymn... I either ask you, is it by Martin Luther? Is it? No, Martin Schulling. Martin Schulling. Who's the translator? Catherine Winkworth, (laughs) our great friend from the 1800s. Yeah, I really enjoy her items. Uh, I am preaching today here at the International Center at 10 o'clock, so we'll be leaving a little early, and you'll hear more of this hymn then. But the hymn, uh, the the tune we're singing is the Tree of Life, and that's a a great hymn. I, I'm I'm doing the Tree a, of Life. Yeah, that's called. It's hymn five sixty one. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. No, I know. <laughs> but if you look it five, up, five sixty one. Yes, look who it is by. I didn't realize he had done the so tree many. Tree of Life. I'm not familiar with this one. Stephen Starkey. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure it's a good one. It is. Yeah. His words are always And a, uh, a, setting by Henry Gerke, our good friend. Oh, I know. Um, oh, you're just, you're just, you've got, your tentacles extend everywhere. You know all these guys, don't you? Tentacles? Am I an <laughs> octopi? <laughs> yeah, no, Henry, I uh, rented uh, housing to, and Starkey I use a lot because he's so good. And last week we had done Martin Franzman, right? Who, of course, was a Let's professor. See, right. Did you ever have him as a professor? No, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, in fact, I did. I think he, I think he uh, passed away just, just before I got there at the sim. What seventy five? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You came same time as Kurowski. Right. Yeah. All, maybe maybe a year later. I don't. Yeah. Know. Well, we better get to this. It's a lengthy hymn. It is. And it's only three verses. But fills two pages. Exactly. So, without further ado, would you please do the first stanza? Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart. With tender mercy cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, Lord, wert not hear me. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee can nothing shake. Thou art the portion I have sought, thy precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not, I trust thy word. Even though it's not written by Martin Luther, Martin Schalling sure sounds like Luther here. Oh, you aren't kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a gripping, well, it's, it's in... It's in prayer form, actually. It's a prayer. The whole hymn is a prayer. You remember th- it was used at a funeral? At a funeral. Uh, I remember Walter Hoffman. It was the fr- I think it was the first time I heard it. 
Yes. Yeah. Really? At Walter Hoffman's funeral. I remember it vividly. Yeah, I did the sermon there, and this is one of the hymns that was chosen. I'm trying to remember. I asked the family which hymns they wanted to uh, uh-huh. sing, and this was one of them. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. Wait a minute. We also have a sinful heart. Yeah. So what heart are we talking about? <sighs> David says something about create... In me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Yes. yes. And in Romans 7, the distinction between the clean heart and the bad heart is referred to as the old man and the new man. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Theology is the art of making distinctions. And that's what I find a lot of um, non-Lutheran pastors don't understand. Because when you have the right distinctions, you get the right doctrine. So we're praying, God, never from me depart, and with tender mercy cheer me. Oh, boy, here we go again with mercy. Yes. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Wow. Who told you that? Well, I've finally been through it so many times, I think I've finally got it. (laughs) Yes. It's not getting what we deserve, which is judgment. Yes. And that's why we are cheered. Uh, Every point of every sermon, every Bible study should be a comfort Cheered. We're relieved. Yes. We're absolutely relieved that, yep. that we escape judgment. Yeah, I yeah. was talking to federal prisoners once and said, if you were forgiven, what would that mean? We would be able to leave jail. I said, are you still guilty of the crime? Yes. You now understand Christianity. That's right. Yes. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, Lord, were not near me. That's a really good point to make. That it is. It if is. you ask people who are even near death, what are you looking forward to in heaven? What's the answer you almost hear every time? Well, a, a lot of people think, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to oh, streets of gold and... Uh, and uh, yeah, no, that's, I haven't that's received old Adam. that answer well, so or, much. Or, or, or you know, doing what I want to do. Um, no. Uh, carnal pleasures, perhaps. No, I've never heard that for <laughs> heaven. Boy, your congregation. No, no, Boy, no, you better go no, back. No, the point is, no, no, the point is we don't know. That's the, that's no, I asked the question, what do they look forward to? 90% of them look forward to being They've again with their, their loved, ones. loved ones. Their loved ones. Yeah, you're right. That is probably number one. Yeah. But if Jesus is there, that's sufficient. That is heaven. Well, even if it's void and bare. If Jesus is there, if, that is heaven. If Jesus is not not is not near me, then heaven isn't worth it. That's, that's what it's saying right. here. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Well, you know, like I say, people... People wonder, uh, well, what's the interim state between the de- time death. that we pass away, pass away and the last day? Judgment, yes. We don't know all the details there. No. But if Jesus is there, that's sufficient. And he is there. Because what Bible verse would you use to prove that when you die, you're with Jesus? This very day, you'll be with me in paradise. Excellent. Yes. yes. In fact, that's my sermon for this coming Wednesday night. I'm doing the words from the cross. Great, great text. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee can nothing shake. Now that's really what church is all about, is no matter what you're going through, what sorrows, 
uh, what problems. You don't have to ever have your trust in Jesus shaking because the trust is always in his promises and Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit. You cling firmly, unshakably to his promises. And you pray God's Holy Spirit that he would hold you to those promises. That's why law and gospel is kind of interesting that Melanchthon, when he wrote the apology, he didn't use the word for gospel when he talked about law and gospel. You know what he used? Promises? Yes. Mm. Promissal. Yeah. Isn't uh-huh. that interesting? Yeah, right. And then, of course, you have to make a distinction because there are promises of the law. Right. But they're always conditional. Yes. Whereas the promises of the gospel are totally unconditional. unconditional. Yes. Thou art the portion I have sought. We've been sitting down with the one of the congregations I'm at where we also have a university we're trying to reach out to. And we have a beautiful building, but it's really hard to get them to come to the building because many of them may not be that interested in Christianity or this court. So we're coming up with an idea how to reach out to them. And uh, what I've suggested is this, and I've done this in St. Louis. You may or may not be aware that the post office has a practice that you can send a letter to every person in their circuit. Each mailman has a circuit of two to 300 people mm-hmm. for like 12 cents. I get a better idea. No, no, I haven't. Pizza parties. <laughs> no, <laughs> that'll we, get them there. No. Yeah, they we, have, we already have them they every Wednesday night. Parties. Oh, yeah. Boy, the college kids will come for pizza anytime. No, they don't. They don't? No. Really? Why, why should they? Because they can get their food. They've already paid for it at the university. So how do we get them? What we're going to do is start videotaping some of the Bible classes I'm having with the students, giving them these insights, and then we're going to set up I was going to set up a YouTube channel. I already have that. But YouTube is now putting advertisements in everything, even in your own videos. So there's another product that just came out where they have no advertising. You can have as many channels as you want, as many videos as you want. And we're just going to send them a note saying, with a question, like, are you having trouble forgiving someone? What does God consider that as? and then have the Bible study on it, and they just click on what what they do. They stay in their dorms. In in fact, the Lutheran Witness has an article about this, that the millennials don't like going out in groups. They stay home a lot more Hmm. than did other individuals. They've got their technology. Exactly. So we're going to give them a technology that they don't have to come to the building. But once they see it and hear it, and we announce, well, we're going to have another Bible study on this. You can participate. Hopefully that will draw them to the church. So we're trying to use a spiritual kind of uh, drawing than flesh of the pizzas. <laughs> well, just I don't know. It's hard to be pizza. <laughs> but, but hey, uh, God bless you and your efforts, Tom. It's, it's hard to reach some of those... Uh, Yeah, I've already been uh, having the new Bible study I started, some of them, and we've got a couple of them that are interested in going to the seminary. No kidding. Yeah. Great. So it doesn't take much once they hear how 
different Lutheran theology is. Now I'm trying to think: are the are the the guy, the students that are in college now are they still the millennial generation, the so-called millennials, or are they the? Well, some of them are. Some of them are older. In fact, I've got a couple that uh, have already graduated from the school uh-huh. that are coming to the Bible study. But last week was very interesting. In both services, uh, one of the students brought three other trumpeters, and they played. Four trumpets played our hymns. Oh, that was nice. Yes. That's great. And uh, three of them had not ever been in the church. Wow. So there's all kinds of ways that we're working. Stanza two, please. Yea, Lord, t'was thy rich bounty gave my body, soul, and all I have in this poor life of labor. Lord, grant that I in every place may glorify thy lavish grace and help and serve my neighbor. Let no false doctrine me beguile. Let Satan not my soul defile. Give strength and patience unto me to bear my cross and follow thee. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and Lord, my God and Lord, in death thy comfort still afford. I find it interesting that he wants to serve the neighbor, but then right after it, let no false doctrine me beguile. Let Satan not my soul defile. See, I believe that Satan tries to give the impression that the more that you help your neighbor, the better are your chances of getting to heaven. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's kind of typical. I mean, uh, in Uber, I'll talk to people. I'll say, well, if you died and went to heaven, why do you think you'd go to heaven? And they'll always be talking about their works. Yeah. I'm not as bad as... a pretty good person. Yeah. I'm, I'm... Go to church. Better I than most. Give yeah. food to the yeah. hungry and, and give money to this the, kind of thing yeah. mm-hmm. as I drop them off at a topless bar. <laughs> yeah. East St. Louis got a bunch of them. So how do you know about them? Because when I pick them up uh-uh. on my computer, it tells me where I have to drop them off. Oh, I see. I see. And um, I've done that about six times now. Oh, We're boy. all the way over to East St. Louis oh, and such. Boy. And here they're giving me this song and dance, and it's kind of interesting. But that's where you use the opportunities to try and get a message across. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to do that. In in the second verse, anything that you see there, uh, we already talked about mercy, but look at that line, may glorify thy lavish grace. Okay, what does grace mean? Grace is, let's see, grace is getting, no. Yeah. It's getting what we don't deserve. Very good. Yeah. Boy, you're finally uh, learning. Finally catching on. <laughs> but notice, mercy and grace are almost, a lot of times, everywhere in the Bible, everywhere in hymns. And, and people just don't, for many people, grace is kind of some power source they get from God. Right, no. Yes. And that's why... Unique theology is really, really important to do. Uh, For example, the text we had Sunday was Adam and Eve and their temptations and Jesus in the wilderness. And I had to connect the two together somehow. And I'm going to do it in a way that I don't have any commentary that ever talks about it. It's going to be in today's sermon. I'm just assuming people aren't listening right now because they're working that are going to be coming down to the chapel. But um, the question is a simple one. Jesus finds out his good friend Lazarus is sick, so he stays for two days. That's right. Why? 
Well, because he knows what's going to happen. And he knows... Uh, Specifically. Why does he stay two days? Why doesn't he go rush to him right away? Because he knows he knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to die, and that he knows he's going to raise him from the dead. Yes, that's the answer you hear with most commentaries. And uh, uh, let me think. Well, he might, hey, there might be some life or death issues that he needs to face up, up north. Well... There might be some people no, that really need to hear his 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 promises up north. The point I'm going line. to be making is it's a life and death issue for Jesus. Everybody, all the commentaries give that impression that he stayed for two days because in that day, you had to be in the grave for three days before you were considered dead. That is correct, right. He gets there after Lazarus has been in the grave for four, four days. days. Right. And he raises him from the dead, and all the commentaries say, see, this shows he's God, etc. Yeah. I don't agree with that. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think there's a lot bigger point, and it comes in the next chapter. The people rush to the Pharisees oh. and tell them what Jesus and, and did. they decide we've got to get rid of this guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so here's the point I'm going to make. It's a question a lot of Christians ask pastors. Why is God taking so long in answering? I'm going to talk about God's timing. Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. waited two days so that he would die on the cross. That's right. Yeah. It was getting time. It was getting close. That's what I think is a far greater reason than so the people would know. Because if he had come right away and raised Lazarus, some people would have said, well, he wasn't dead really. He was only in the grave a day Mm -hmm. or something like Mm -hmm. that. So you were correct about that, that he wanted to wait till. That's a good point. He he waited two more days so that he could die on the cross. Yes. How about that? Talk about that for gospel. Well, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And today, and you can hear that at 10 o'clock, the entire sermon. Stanza three, please. Lord, let at last thine angels come to Abram's bosom, bear me home, that I may die unfearing. And in its narrow chamber keep my body safe in peaceful sleep until thy reappearing. And then from death awaken me that these mine eyes with joy may see. O Son of God, thy glorious face, my Savior and my fount of grace. Lord Jesus Christ, my prayer attend, my prayer attend, and I will praise thee without end. And that's why this is such an excellent Funeral. Funeral hymn. Yes. Because, and then from death awaken me. Where do we get this idea that the body's going to be awakened? Well, that's the resurrection. Right. But how do we know that? Because Well, it, uh, Job. Uh, you know, he talks about my, my, these mine eyes with joy may see. He talks about, Job talks about these very eyes shall behold him. But the point I'm asking is why that metaphor of awaken? Where does that come from? Well, Jesus says, uh, you know, when he raised Jairus' daughter, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. In fact, remember that? He says that to the disciples about Lazarus. Yes, that's right. He sleeps. Yeah, he sleeps. But then the gospel makes real clear that Jesus was not talking about natural sleep. No. It actually says that. That's right. But that Lazarus was dead. And then Jesus says plainly, he's dead. Right. But what do you see in a lot of cemeteries on tombstones? 
Asleep. Asleep in Jesus. Yes. Yes. Isn't that's, that that's the standard obituary for Lutherans. Asleep, yeah, even in the... Asleep in Jesus. Uh, Post-disgrace, you see right. that a lot of times in the funeral things that people have that down. But um, it's the fact that the body is going to be awakened. Right. It's only asleep. Right. Um, and if it's non-existent anymore, because maybe being eaten by animals or something like that, God will recreate it. That's right. So that's why this, as you said, is a, a really good funeral. Um, notice verse 3 starts, Let at last thine angels come and take me home to Abraham. Where does that come from? Well, we're told on the last day he'll come with all of his holy angels. Yes. And they will assist in the resurrection from all corners of the globe. But actually in this one, he's not talking about the last day. He's talking about the death. Right. That we have today. Mm -hmm. That uh, our spirit will be taken to heaven by the angels. Right. That's right. And then we will awake in the body and we rejoin with the spirit. Is that just for believers or unbelievers also? You talk about the angels? No, the body being awakened. Oh, no, everybody will be awakened. Yes. Everybody. Well said. And, uh, you know, the scriptures tell us that uh, the unbelievers will wish that the mountains could fall on them and the hills cover them. Yeah. And Jesus even gives a picture in the clouds, those on the right hand and upon the left. Yeah. The sheep and the goats. I had a dream that uh, heaven was occurring, or a judgment day, so I made sure I was on the right-hand side. (laughs) And then Jesus appeared behind us. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no more chances once you leave this earth. No, that's it. Well, I tell you, you better be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee the crown of life. And And whose crown of life is that? Christ. Yes. Yes. He runs the Olympic race and we stand and get the, we get the crown. crown of life. Yes. That's, we get his righteousness. Um, yeah, I've been really stressing that in every sermon. I talk about both gifts that we get from Jesus, death and resurrection. It's just not the forgiveness of sins. Life and salvation. It's also the robe of righteousness. righteousness. Yes. Because we get that already in our baptism. Yes, yes, because you cannot be righteous when the Holy Spirit is within you. That's right. Yes, and it's part of the reason why we practice close communion, because people should not be communing who have not yet been baptized. The early church always waited for the baptism. They often did it on the eve of Easter. Easter Easter weekend, right. Yes, Um Pastor Whedon has some really good thoughts on that. Yeah, oh, he always does. Yes, he's really good when it comes to the liturgical reasons why we're doing everything. Well, listen, you need to think about getting away, because you're preaching this morning, right? Don't you need to leave? Oh, yeah. It's three minutes still. I thank you very much. Yeah. Well, that concludes our uh, lesson for today. And uh, What would you do without me, Tom? <laughs>
Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.